welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Announcer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Joshua Beck. I'm delighted to have you here, delighted to have you join us on WellMed Radio. And, and Joshua, it's great to see you. It's good to see you. Do you have a good weekend? I had a great weekend. Thank you. Nice and relaxing, huh? <laughs> well, when you got three kids, yeah. you move a lot. Six Flags is always fun during this time, but, you know, the weather is, you know, br- pretty brutal, especially in the early afternoon. Yeah, a little hot. Yeah. Exactly. So I was struck, and, and we hadn't really talked about this, uh, you went to Anonymous University Med School in Guadalajara? I did. Why the name Anonymous? You didn't want anybody to know where you went? Yeah, it was kind of a secret, you know, you a secret diploma. I like that. You know, it's... No, there. It's actually the autonomous university. Oh, autonomous. Autonomous. Yeah, not anonymous. <laughs> autonomous University of Guadalajara. So my mom's from Mexico, and I kind of followed in my dad's footsteps. He's a doc too, and so I just went down there. I thought it would be a good experience to. And go you're down. a Spanish speaker. And I'm a Spanish speaker. Well, that's yes. cool. So. And you specialized in family practice. I do. Mm-hmm. And among that challenge, of course, is. Helping folks keep up with vaccinations. Correct. Which brings us to our special guest today, Dr. Cheryl Winchell, who is with WellMed at Sebastian in Florida. And we're delighted to have her on. She's a graduate and earned her medical degree from Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Completed her internship at Columbia Hospital in West Palm Beach. Her residency in family medicine at Palmetto General Hospital. And I gather, doctor, you never left Florida. I went to Florida, uh, Michigan State University for undergrad. I grew up in Fort Lauderdale and then went to Michigan State. I have a big family connection up there with the Spartans. So did that and then realized that I was truly a Florida girl. So I came back. Yeah, it was enough of winter, right? <laughs> yes. When it snowstormed in October and I had my neon green beach cruiser to get to class on the other side of a giant campus, you know, I stuck it out for four years. My dad said, no, you're not coming home. You're going to love it because he loved it too. Um, but then decided to come back for medical school. Wow. Well, I grew up in Ohio, and I remember yeah. w- with uh, Halloween not far off, uh, mm-hmm. many a Halloween it snowed in Cleveland. Sure. So I don't miss that. Yeah, I, I can relate. I, I did my residency in Iowa. Ooh, and, that's even colder. You know, when, when you have uh, winter for, you know, seven months, snowing, you know, brutal cold, you know, you kind of don't want to go back to that. And now, of course, we're baking yeah. in 100 degrees plus heat. Yes. A little snow would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. So, doctor, tell me, in Florida and elsewhere, of course, uh, the challenge when it comes to vaccinations uh, is always being sure that uh, the patients that you're seeing, whether they be Medicare-eligible seniors or others, are up to date on their vaccinations. And one of the things that's pretty scary, of late, we've seen an outbreak of measles. So it's had less exposure recently as far as on the news and things like that. I think people are starting to get better awareness and understanding. I I believe a lot of people have gotten vaccines just since all of this has been happening over the past several months. Um, Yeah, that's the important part is vaccines. We all recommend them as providers. I don't really think I know any 
medical providers, doctors, or APCs, the advanced practice clinicians that are not recommending vaccines that I uh, work with. And so we recommend them because they work and they're effective. And we were close to eradicating measles, and here we are. So the importance and knowledge and understanding of them is something that we need to review with all of our patients. Yeah, and part of the problem is when people stop getting uh, immunized, uh, you know, there is something called herd immunity. When a lot of people get immunized and everybody's immunized and that helps kind of mm-hmm. eradicate the virus. And protects those who aren't. And so a lot of, uh, you know, uh, media outlets or maybe some, some websites, you know, you know, can potentially steer people away from getting uh, vaccines due to concerns about, you know, the ingredients in the vaccines and whether those can cause various illnesses or ailments. And, you know, that may have, you know, steered people away from, from getting immunized. And that may have been part of the reason why, why, why you know, we didn't eradicate measles and why it's coming back. And in Texas, and, and I'm not sure about Florida doctor, but you can share that with us, Cheryl. In Texas, there is a growing number of folks who, because law permits it, are voluntarily not vaccinating their children. And the numbers in some of the local schools are growing up to seven, eight, nine, ten percent of the student body in some schools are not vaccinated, putting those kids at real risk. Yeah, I've not heard that here. We don't have numbers anywhere close to that from my experience. And we still have to have the vaccination forms go to the school, with, especially at certain years of their um, school education. And I know there have been some doctors that have been really called out uh, on giving these excuse forms for people that are not necessarily appropriate. So that's become a big um, challenge and improvement, I think, in the medical community. And even in Texas, you don't need a doctor to sign. You can voluntarily uh, refuse to have your child vaccinated and they can still be admitted to school. Mm. Interesting, yeah. yeah and that, Why is that a problem? Well, we were talking about the exposure. So if kids are exposed, they haven't had the vaccines, healthy or not, they get the illness, and then they don't realize, oh, wow, I have measles. You know, seven to ten days, they have the exposure from time of exposure to time of illness. Now they have this virus that's within them, have, you know, contagious accessibility to the other children that may or may not have been um, vaccinated. Ninety-three percent are only active anyway. So some of the some of the people who get vaccines don't necessarily have immunity. And so those children who weren't vaccinated get exposed, bring the measles to school for seven to 10 days, and then the other children are exposed to it. So, you know, and the problem lies. but a lot of older people will say, look, I had measles. I was a kid. Mm-hmm. No big deal. I itched for right. a few days. I had some spots. Mm-hmm. I'm better. I had no side effects. Personally, I think now there's so mm-hmm. many other issues related. You know, there's so many it seems like more medical problems. Perhaps there is, perhaps there's not. Technology and medical management allows us to maintain our patients for much longer. They can mm-hmm. go to school and have possibly immunocompromised uh, medical illnesses that we all kind of know about, HIV and other problems like that as well. And so that exposure may be more prevalent. And, and what's our community? What's our hand washing? It's just the exposure is so much there, more available, readily available now. The other thing too is you know, do we really know what was the the death rate with measles with children? I mean, are people aware of that? I want to talk about that in just a minute. For those of you who just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. And on our WellMed Radio hotline, we're talking with Dr. Cheryl Winchell, who is at WellMed at Sebastian in Florida. Uh, You just mentioned measles and possibility of dying. I think most folks 
aren't aware of that. Sure, of course. And measles can be, you know, a very short-lived illness that we treat symptomatically. And so fluids and controlling elevated temperature, um, the other, you know, ways that we have sickness, um, good nutrition, things like that. But there are other people who can't, don't have the immune system and can't fight the measles as well. Like I said, HIV, for example, we have children or cancer. and people who are working, yeah, mm-hmm. cancer, you know, under chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And so they can't fight it as well. Now, are you seeing adults, and do you and Dr. Beck recommend uh, to adults uh, who may or may not have been vaccinated against measles or who may have had measles to get a booster now in their 70s or 80s? They could certainly get it if they want to, you know. All they have to do is go to the far- you know, go to a pharmacy and get it. WAMED doesn't carry it, but they're able to get it. Or another option, if they're willing to wait, um, is to check uh, MMR titers. You know, check blood levels to see whether or not their, you know, their previous uh, immunization, you know, is still working. So would you recommend that or not? Uh, It depends on the patient. You know, we have that discussion with them. You know, if it's easier for them to just get the shot, then they can just get the vaccine. There's no contraindications, sure. Exactly. What are some of the other vaccines we should be talking about? Uh, Let's start with uh, Medicare-eligible seniors. What, What should they have? Well, you know, the pneumonia vaccine is another one that's, you know, obviously recommended. And there's actually a new vaccine, well, relatively new, I guess you could say, compared to the older one, the Prevnar 13 vaccine as opposed to the older pneumococcal 23 vaccine. So do you need two pneumonia vaccines? So the recommendation based from the CDC is is to get the, uh, you know, the newer vaccine first because it covers, I think, a little more more strains than the older vaccine and to get the uh, the older vaccine a year later as a booster. But you do need both. It's, it's recommended, you know, to get both. And then, and and this would be for uh, you know I think fifty and up I think for the Prevnar thir- thirteen vaccine is fifty and up f- fifty years and, and above, and uh, the pneum- pneumococcal vaccine is sixty five and above, and certainly there there are indications in which they can get it at a much younger age. You know, if people smoke or if they have a history of asthma, uh, cochlear implants, and I think there's an, uh, you know there are other indications to get it at a younger age. Why would a cochlear implant? Uh Bring with it a need to get a pneumonia vaccine. That, that's an implant to help folks here. Yes, that that is a great question. I don't know, but that's listed on the CDC's website as a, as a reason to get it. I don't know if Dr. Winchell knows. I'm not sure. I could probably risk of developing the bacterial infection with at the at the area of the implant. I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting yeah. because yeah. they they actually implant a device into your head. They do. Yes, and then if you get the pneumococcus, you know, the bacteria there, the risk of getting infection and you know, harboring that illness within that site, that would be pretty awful and dramatic, right? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the pneumonia vaccine is a vaccine to prevent pneumonia and uh, from uh, the most common strain of of pneumonia in in adults of this age group, which would be streptococcal pneumonia. And so it's, um, it's worth getting, you know, it's worth getting, especially, you know, with a lot of our patients that have immunocompromising conditions like diabetes and chronic kidney disease and heart failure and COPD, et cetera, and cancer. I, I think back now, this is several years ago in the uh, early 1990s when uh, Jim Henson, uh, who was Kermit and, and the other Muppets' daddy, died of pneumonia. Oh, that's right. I was thinking maybe, did he have some kind of underlying illnesses, I think, maybe as well, but... He did, right. but, but pneumonia... Uh, took him down mm-hmm. at a relatively right. young age. Mm-hmm. Well, like and that's the comorbidities that we talk about: people yep. with diabetes and heart failure and COPD, this chronic mm-hmm. lung disease. 
you don't get vaccinated and you're not healthy outside of those illnesses, then your risk of illness, you know, on top of that is so much more dramatic. All of these vaccine, you know, preventable conditions, you know, have milder versions and then they have more severe versions. You know, it just depends on what strain you get and uh, whether your body is able to fight it off. That's the same thing with the, you know, the measles. We're going to come right back to this in just a moment. Mm-hmm. You're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. And in Florida with us on our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Cheryl Winchell. She's at the WellMed at Sebastian Florida Clinic. Caregiving is incredibly difficult and challenging for thousands of people caring for someone they love. It's a job that is demanding and often feels as if it's never-ending. Caregivers feel alone and lonely. That's where Caregiver SOS On Air comes to the rescue. This half-hour weekly program features nationally known gerontologist Carol Zerniel and attorney and veteran broadcaster Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. And remember... Caregiver SOS On Air, Saturdays at 7.30 a.m. on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and Sundays at 12.30 p.m. on Freedom, 1160 KRDY. We are cruising right along here on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, and we're talking on our WellMed Radio Hotline with Dr. Cheryl Winchell. She's at WellMed at Sebastian in Florida and delighted to have her here. This is an opportunity to segue into a shot that a vaccine that most of us should get every year, Dr. Winchell, and that's the flu vaccine. Correct. It's coming up. I think there are some a lot of places that have it now available already. We don't have it yet here in the WellMed offices. And one thing they've been talking about this year seems like a little bit more than previous years is maybe thinking about not getting it as early because of the concerns related to the vaccine effect. Exactly. Uh, tapering off at the end mm-hmm. of the season. No, and wh- so getting it maybe closer to October. You know, if I get a, a, a measles vaccine when I'm a kid, if I get a, a vaccine or, or uh, any other vaccine for any other potential disease, they last forever. Mm-hmm. Why does flu only last a year? Changes and changes. The strains changes. change. The strains of the flu are the ones that the CDC thinks are the most common strains to affect the population or the ones that they target for that vaccine for that year. And so sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't. Um, but that's what changes from year to year. And then I would agree with Dr. Winchell. Uh, when did y'all get uh, start seeing flu uh, last year? Was it towards the end of the year? Because flu season... I tip- would say, yeah, not earlier than December. Exactly. Yeah, we didn't see anything until I think, you know, late November um, or December, you know. And flu season runs typically, you know, it's supposed to be from October to April. Uh, and so what we've been saying here uh, in uh, Texas, too, in San Antonio, is to wait and get it in October sometime. You know, it takes two weeks to build up immunity once you get the shot. So if you get it sometime in October, um, you know, I think that's what uh, WellMed's kind of aiming at. Uh, I don't know if y'all have gotten the same info, but not getting it in September, which is, uh, you know, like used C- to be. CVS and Walgreens and all of these outside, mm-hmm. you know, places, you know, we usually start uh, immunizing people in September. And now mm-hmm. for seniors, th- there is a, uh, a super duty shot versus your regular flu shot. And so do that, you, that do changed, you offer that? Yeah, well, it changed this year that the recommendation, and I don't know if this is a WellMed thing or a CDC thing, but they actually said that, you know, just as long as you're immunized. So they're not making the distinction between getting the, uh, you know, the 
highly concentrated, you know, extra strength dose uh, as opposed to the regular dose. I don't know if you've heard the same thing, Dr. Winchell. Yeah, I, they do have this, you know, extra strength dose that we talk about, um, but really more important is just get a getting shot. vaccinated. Exactly. Yep. I always figure more is better, though. If I can get more of that anti-flu juice, I want it. Well, you can certainly well, request it. Available for the people who have more significant disease would be okay. Exactly. More as well. Yeah. So. Now, talk to me a, a little bit, whether it's Florida or San Antonio or anywhere else across the country. Uh, folks who aren't familiar with it kind of minimize the risks that come with flu, and yet thousands of people die every year from the flu. Well, I'll tell you a personal story. I know I got it in March, first part of April, because we were traveling for spring break with our my son who was in school still, and I got the flu so incredibly terrible. And I had the flu vaccine. I'm very, very healthy. I eat really well. I exercise all the time. My stress, you know, is a bit of an issue for me. Um, and I think traveling, you know, is an exposure risk as well as we talk about a lot. And I was so ill. It was incredible. I don't think I've ever taken a day off since residency for a true medical illness for my own personal self. And it was awful. And, you know, all I could do was fluids and hydrate. My flu test came positive, uh, negative. I'm sorry. I tested for strep and influenza, and they were both negative, and it was a classic flu case. Um, but, it, you know, for a very healthy person, it was really awful. So I can only imagine how people uh, must feel. And that's the risk is, you know, here we still get vaccinated, and people say, well, I might still get sick. But it's better to get vaccinated, protect yourself against the ones that you can protect yourself against. And then I, you have less risk anyway. I think the number one and number two reasons, and I don't know if you can agree, Dr. Winchell, or not, but the number one and two reasons that I hear from all the patients that I see about why mm -hmm. they're not going to get the flu shot, number one is I got the flu shot and it made me deadly ill and I'll never have it again. And then number two is I never get sick. I've never had the right. flu. I never get sick. So I don't see why I should get the shot. So, And I always follow this comment with a laugh so that they really know I'm kidding. But yeah. if I, I tell them, well, if you don't get vaccinated, don't call me if you get the flu, right? And I say and so the of same thing. I'm kidding, but yeah, it's very frustrating that people think that yeah. you know, this is the if that's the worst that you're going to get by avoiding a flu, then you know it's worth it. So, yeah. what do I say to a friend? I, I had a back and forth conversation on Facebook where mm -hmm. most of America's important conversations take mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. uh, she what? has a, a, a child who uh, maybe 12 or so years old. She's in her 40s, early 50s. And was bragging that she's never had a flu shot. Her little boy has never had a flu shot. They've never had the flu. And she's never getting a flu shot. It only takes once, you know. Mm -hmm. You can never get it until you get it. And then the second thing is that, you know, yes, you can get flu-like symptoms with the flu shot. And, you know, some people experience them and some don't. But you're getting flu-like symptoms as opposed to the actual virus that's live, you know, and will be much more severe or has the potential to be more severe. And in the elderly and in the young, you know, it's potentially dangerous and deadly. So I say to her, you know, it's recommended to get the flu shot. And, you know, you never know where you're going to get it. You know, it doesn't have to be somebody that coughs and sneezes on you. It could be opening the door, pushing the cart at the supermarket that wasn't wiped down. I mean, it could be anywhere. You know? Yeah, traveling, especially your commuter on a, exactly. on a train or a bus, yep. you know, traveling on the, on planes, the exposure is so much exactly. higher. And, and the, the, the symptoms that you do get is your body responding to the injection and the virus that it mm -hmm. sees this you know, encapsulated 
you know, protein. And so mm-hmm. your body is going to say, okay, I need to respond to that, which mm-hmm. is those mild symptoms that you didn't get. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone have severe flu, um, but, you know, a little bit of body ache. They say it lasts about 10 to 12 hours at the most. You might have a slight elevated low-grade temperature because that's your body responding and creating that immune response that you need to have in order to now, once if you do see the flu again, respond much more quickly. But you know what's interesting? Uh, for folks who don't get the flu shot uh, and don't get the flu until they get the flu, do they make a connection? Do they say, well, maybe I should have had that flu shot? I've heard that a few times, you know. A few times, yeah, I would agree. But, but then they forget by the by the next year. Really, just are out of it for whatever reason. Yeah, and so that's exactly what I say. And you know, the other my other talking point, you know, apart from hey, you know, well then don't call me when you get the flu, which is just a right. joke. <laughs> but I say, uh, well, you know, I mean, they're like, well, you know, we've heard that the flu shot isn't that effective this year, and I'm like, well, anything's better than zero percent, you know. Right. So if it's forty percent effective, fifty percent effective, sixty percent, it's still better than zero. So you're still getting some coverage, you know, from some of the strains of the flu because you have to remember there's different strains of the flu. So, yes, you will be immunized against what the CDC considers to be the most common strains for that particular season. But, you know, yes, there is always that risk of getting a strain of the flu that's not covered by the by the vaccine. It's interesting as I think about it. It's almost like seatbelts after the accident. It's too late mm-hmm. to put the seatbelt on. So other uh, immunizations worth worth mentioning, um, shingles would be another one. Um, and so there's a new vaccine out, uh, relatively new, called Shingrix. I've and, had it. And so that one is much more or purported to be much more effective, almost 90, you know, they can't say 100 percent, but it's in the upper 90 percent. So for um, folks, who, effective fo- for for folks who don't know, what is shingles? Why do you get it? How do you get it? And is there a preventative other than the vaccine? You want to discuss it, Dr. Winchell, or should I? Sure. Yeah. So it's having had chickenpox or exposure to that varicella virus, and then it goes dormant in your system until an outbreak occurs, you know, internally. And so that can be for many reasons, including, you know, lowered immune system for whatever reason. We talk about stress and things like that, especially as we get older, as the immune system is not as strong when you're under a stressful situation. And so then you would have that outbreak of the virus where it comes back out from the nerves that it's been hiding in. And then you get that skin manifestation generally, which it can get into other parts of your body, especially into the eye, which is you know one of the biggest concerns. And so the vaccine helps, once again, not prevent you 100% from getting a shingles outbreak, but your body has now seen it. It's been exposed to it or, you know, sooner than when it, you were five and had the chickenpox. You've now seen that virus again by the vaccine, and so you'll have a much faster, dramatic immune response to the virus if it does show up in your system again, coming out of the nerves being dormant. And one good talking point to get the vaccine is to prevent post-herpetic neuralgia, which is a chronic nerve-related pain that you can get post-shingles. And, you know, I have patients, and I'm sure Dr. Winchell has patients too, that, that have this post-herpetic neuralgia, this chronic nerve-related pain in the area where they got the shingles, and they're on medication for it a lot of times, you know, forever. You know, it's a pain that, you know, may never go away. Uh, And then two, um, you know, another good uh, point is that for those, you know, people that think that, you know, well, we've had shingles and, uh, you know, or we've never had chicken pox, 
uh, you can still get the vaccine. So it doesn't matter whether you've not had chicken pox or you've had shingles 10 times, you can you can still get the vaccine. Now, for those who had the older vaccine for shingles, should they have the new one? They should because it's more effective. And they, yeah, don't... they do say five years is the recommendation waiting time. Um, but I've also seen other literature that says it should be safe. Most people wouldn't get it any earlier than a year. Um, but five years is really the recommended yeah, because the I think old... it's on back order too, so that might be why they're saying that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's a that's two, funny. It's a two-part vaccine, so you get you right. get two shots as opposed to one with the older uh, older vaccine. You mentioned you had two vaccines you were thinking of. We got about a minute to go. Mm-hmm. What's the other one? Doctor Winchell uh, had mentioned uh, hepatitis A. If you want to talk about that, and then the sure, other. Sure, we did have an outbreak recently. Hepatitis A here. You know, they occur all over the place. Um, hepatitis A in itself is a virus. Um, it does affect your liver. I think most people know that creates an inflammation of the liver. Thankfully, hepatitis A is not one that progresses to a chronic disease. So if you do have the illness, usually self-limited, you know, supportive measures, fluids, hydration, temperature control, things like that. But we can uh, vaccinate against it. And so it's getting that vaccine. If you do have exposure, although everyone has exposure, we all eat in restaurants. And that's really the, the risk is, you know, contamination to people who don't wash their hands is the most common Um, exposure that we do see. And so having the vaccine, especially if you're going to be traveling, certain countries have higher risk of hepatitis A. And it is, once again, a two-dose vaccine. And a lot of people have come in. We do have it in our office now here in WellMed Sebastian because we have had the outbreak and so we've had so much request for it that we do have it available here. Got to stop you right there, flat out of time. Uh, Dr. Winchell, thank you so much for joining us on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Joshua Beck. Thank you. We'll catch you next time on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.